I am so excited about this. I want to welcome you to the Purpose Project Podcast. During our time together, I will teach you how to pray, how to intentionally develop intimacy with your Creator, and challenge you to discover and embrace your God-ordained purposes. I am your host, Margie Florent. My prayer for you today is that you will be empowered and strengthened in the Word of God to move forward into your destiny. We've been teaching on the subject of the art of intercession, and we found out in the Word of God that the disciples came to Jesus one day and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And we found out from Luke chapter 11 that he went on to teach the disciples about how to get their own needs met, that they can go to the Father who will richly supply all of their needs, and what they simply have to do is just ask, believe that they receive, and God will give it to them. And then we went on to read that Jesus taught the disciples the prayer of intercession. And I'm going to go ahead and begin reading at verse 5. And the Bible says, in teaching them how to pray, and he said to them, which of you shall have a friend? Now you are the intercessor. And you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight, and you say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. Now, I look at this verse as we teach on intercession, and I see the friend in this verse as God, our Father, who is a God who is like El Shaddai, who is more than enough. A God who says that he will richly supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. And we are an intercessor, and we know this God, and we know his character, and we know what he's about, and we're going to him, but we're not going to him for ourselves. We're going to him on the behalf of our, a friend of ours. Verse 6, for a friend of mine has come to me in his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. Verse 7, and he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give you. Now Jesus is teaching on the prayer of intercession. Then specifically, and especially in the prayer of intercession, it may look like at times and at seasons when you're praying for somebody or for something, your prayers are not working. That's why we have said it over and over again that we cannot be moved by what we see. We cannot be moved by circumstances. We have to believe that what we pray is working and it is producing results. And the Bible says so. And that's our foundation. The Bible says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man doesn't avail just a little bit. It avails much. So it may look like your prayers aren't working, but rest assured they are working because God hears you when you pray. He is not slack concerning his promises, and he definitely is not deaf because he said, my eyes will be open and my ears attentive under the prayers that are made in this place. So what's the point? The point is simply this. Don't give up when you're praying for somebody or for your city or for your family or for your nation and think that your prayers aren't working. That is a smoke screen of the devil. The devil wants us to stop praying. He wants us to give up and lose hope. You just keep praying. Keep praying. The Bible says pray and believe you receive it and you will have it. It will produce results. Now verse 8. I say to you 
though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Now remember we said in our prior teaching that uh, the intercessor specifically asked for three loaves. Correct? But here we see that God rose up in answer to the prayer of the intercessor, and he didn't just give him three loaves. He rose up and he gave him as much as he needed. And that's the kind of God we serve. He is the kind of God that is able to do for us exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask, hope, dream, or desire. And I love that about my father, don't you? Okay, so the key ingredient here in answer to his prayer is this word right here, persistence. The New King James calls it persistence, but the King James Version calls it importunity. And I looked that word up, and importunity, according to the Webster's Dictionary, says, the state or quality of being importunate, persistence in solicitation, persistence, solicitation as entreaty, urging, or a petition, or a request, persistent in asking or demanding. So the reason why this intercessor received results to his prayers is because of his persistence. Persistence in going to the throne of grace on the behalf of another person and persistence in just not giving up. And there are times in our prayers and times in our intercessions where you sense in your spirit, and this is the art of intercession, you sense in your spirit that you have not yet received the breakthrough needed in order to obtain prayer results. That's the only way I know how to word it. Obviously, when we pray for ourselves, we don't need to keep going to God and begging over and over and over for a particular, particular thing or item or thing that we prayed for. But when it comes to intercession, there is a place in prayer where it requires importunity, where you know you have not, not fully engaged, so to speak, and, and received the answer on the behalf of that person. Because there may be something blocking that person from receiving from the hand of God. And we can pray through what I call to victory. And then once you get the victory, you, you know you've got it and you know it's done. So, so it's because of his persistence. Now, before we go any further, I just want to point something out in this scripture. Let me ask you something. Who did all the work in this particular portion of scripture? Was it the man at home that needed the bread? No, it was the intercessor. He was the one that was laboring fervently in prayer. He was the one that was going to God. He was the one that was going to God and he was knocking at the door. And at, like the scripture said, he was very persistent. The Bible says in, Luke, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, it says, God is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love. And the prayer of intercession truly is. It truly is, in a sense, a labor. If you've ever engaged in real intercession, there is a labor about it. It truly is a labor, and it truly is a labor of love. And God said he's not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. And 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Be steadfast, unmovable, 
always abounding in the work of the Lord, because intercession is of the work of the Lord. We are co-laborers together with him. He says in this scripture, knowing that your labors are not in vain in the Lord. So be steadfast in your prayers. When it looks like things aren't working, you just be steadfast in your prayers. Your labors are not in vain. But the scripture goes on to say in Revelations, and this is what I want to point out, Revelations 14, 13 says, when you die and your spirit leaves your body, those of you that are true intercessors, those of you that are closet prayers, those of you that don't think that nobody sees or hears what you're doing, God sees and he hears what you're doing. And the Bible says in Revelations that when your spirit leaves your body, your works and your labors will follow you. All the things that you've done in secret, your works and your labors will follow you. And I believe with all my heart, I could be wrong, I guess we'll find out when we get to heaven, that there is a special spot for those of you that have labored fervently in prayer. And you've done those things in secret, where you think no man, it doesn't matter what man sees, but you think that no one sees you, but God sees you. And he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him and do the works of intercession. Now, how did this intercessor approach the throne of God or approach his friend. He approached him with absolute, total and complete confidence. He was not shy in his prayers. He didn't hold anything back. He was specific in what he desired and he was not gonna give up until he saw results to his request, so to speak. So that brings us to the question, how do we approach God? How should we approach God in prayer? Hebrews 11:6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We need to approach God with absolute confidence and we must believe that he is. We just must believe that he is. And how do we get to know who he is? We get to know who he is by studying to show ourselves approved unto God. You know, learning about the Bible, learning about his character through the scriptures, reading verses about his character. That's exactly what happened with Moses. When, when God first came to Moses, the Bible says Moses looked away in fear. He wouldn't even look at God. But as Moses spent time with God and watched his character and spent time in his presence, his confidence grew so much that the Bible says that he knew God face to face as a man speaks to his friend. So he was no longer afraid to look at God. He approached God with confidence and he went down in Bible history as a friend of God. I love that, don't you? So how do we approach God? We must believe that he is. Number two, when we approach God, we must approach him with a righteousness consciousness. You look, at, you look at Moses, he was a great intercessor. He was a man who was a great intercessor. He interceded on the behalf of the people. Well, that, that, that to me shows if he can pray to God and have confidence to God in his presence, how much more you and I, who are under a better covenant based upon better promises, how much more can we approach the throne room of grace with absolute confidence? And you may say, well, Margie, you know, I just messed up. You know, I was going to go into my, my prayer closet and I was going to shut the door and I wanted to spend some time 
in intercession and, and I had a big fight with my husband and, 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 and I, just, I just lost all my confidence because I know, you know, that God just must be, quote, mad at me. Well, first of all, God doesn't get mad at you. Amen. God does not get mad at us. He loves us with an everlasting love. And when we fail or we miss the mark, so to speak, we can regain our confidence in the presence of God by simply going to the throne room of grace and saying, Father, forgive me. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, that if we sin or if we miss the mark or if we do something that you know is not pleasing in God's sight, if we sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible says in Psalms 103, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far our sins have been cast away from us. So the moment you confess that sin, it's gone. You're justified by faith. And we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That word justified means just as if I've never sinned. So when you approach the throne of God after you've confessed that thing, just move on and enter into intercession. Move on and enter into prayer. But I will say this. When you go into prayer, there's going to be a little voice that speaks to you in your brain. Do you remember what you did? Do you remember what you said? Do you remember how you acted? Do you remember? Do you remember? And, and you know what? That's the devil. Because his desire is to kill, steal, and destroy your prayer life. He does not want you to have confidence before God. He does not want you to pray and to be intercede. He knows the power of the prayer of intercession, and he wants to stop you any way, shape, form he can. And the greatest way he tries to stop many of us is through guilt, shame, and condemnation. And it comes to us in our, in our, in our minds, and I like to call it warfare. It's just a good word to put to it, warfare, just simply warfare. And it's just the enemy trying to get you off focus. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He wants us to get our focus off of Jesus and onto that thing that we did. But you know what? That thing that you did doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> this doesn't exist. So let it go. And move into prayer with absolute, total, and complete confidence. So we're under a better covenant based upon better promises. And if Moses, Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob had all this confidence before God, how much more you and I under the New Testament? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21, that those of us who are in Christ under the new covenant, we have become a new creation. Another translation says, we have become a new species, a new creation. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. And the scripture goes on to say in verse 21 that we have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Right standing, righteousness. So we can stand in the presence of God without a sense of guilt, fear, or inferiority. It's the devil and the demons and the evil spirits that are trying to take your confidence. God says, come boldly to the throne of grace. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I want to give you rest. He's not taking our confidence from us. He's the one, he's the one pouring confidence into us. As a matter of fact, the beauty of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is this. They all work together. So we have the Holy Spirit 
to strengthen us when we need to be strengthened. And the Holy Spirit, it's his ministry to always point us back to Jesus. And he's there to help us and comfort us and to point us back to Jesus. So don't listen to the lies of the devil. The devil is a liar. He does not want you to pray. But just remember, when those thoughts come to you, you should just tell the devil, hey, remember what happened to you? <laughs> Jesus spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of you openly. There was a big party in heaven when he trampled you under his feet. So remind the devil of his past. If the enemy starts bringing up your past, you remind him of his past. And I guarantee you he will flee. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Another translation says, he will flee from you, get this now, as one who is in terror. The devil is afraid of you. He's afraid of you having confidence before God. He is afraid of you having and knowing your confidence because he knows if you really truly knew who you were in Christ and you had all kinds of confidence, he knew that he, he, his days are outnumbered and his time is coming to a quick, uh, a quick halt. So what does he do? He, his, part of his tactic is to put warfare. We talked a lot about discouragement, but it's also warfare and guilt and shame and condemnation. Listen, you're a new creation in Christ. You stand before God without a sense of fear, guilt, and inferiority. When the Father looks at you, he sees the finished work of the cross. He sees Jesus. And the Bible says, you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. You're complete. You're in Christ. It's not of your own self. It is a gift of God. You've been made whole. You've been made righteous. And you could stand before God in Christ just as if Jesus Christ was standing before God. Because you're in him. So we can have absolute confidence in prayer. Now, the scripture says that word where it says that we can go boldly to the throne of grace in Hebrews 4.16. That word boldly is the word, the definition, fearless. Taking liberties, shameless, absolute confidence. So we can go boldly to the throne of grace. We can go fearlessly before the throne of grace. We can take our liberties and go right to the throne of grace. We could go to the throne of grace shameless. We can go to the throne of grace with absolute confidence. As a matter of fact, let me just say this. If you're listening and you have some kind of prevailing sin in your life that you've been having a hard time letting go of or, 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 or getting victory over, let me just say this. Don't run from Jesus when you have failures. The enemy wants you to run. Don't run from him and hide from him like Adam and Eve did in the garden. They sinned and they immediately clothed themselves and they hid from the presence of God. Don't hide from God. Run to him. Because just like Adam and Eve, you know, God came down in the cool of the day. He knew something was wrong. Adam and Eve were hiding. And God, what he said was, where are you? Where are you? He was looking for his creation. And I just want to say something. God is looking for you. He wants you to come to him. If you have unresolved sin and issues in your life or habits or destructive behavior, run to God. He, the Bible says 
He is an ever-present help in the time of trouble. The Bible says, when you come to me, I will in no wise cast you out. As a matter of fact, he's right now standing at the door of your heart and he's knocking. And he's saying, let me into that area of your life. Let me help you. Let me strengthen you. My grace is sufficient for you. Let my grace be poured into that area of your life. Your, my grace will be made perfect in your weakness. Some of the greatest areas that I've had in my life that were like I would consider weaknesses, God turned that thing around and became one of my greatest strengths. That's the beauty of God. He'll take your greatest weakness and he'll turn it into one of your greatest strengths. But he's saying to you right now, he said, I just want you to come to me. Come to me. Don't run from me. Come to me. But I feel, you know, so bad and I feel so ashamed and I'm just really upset. I don't care what you feel. It's not about feelings. This is the word of God. The word of God is true whether you feel anything or not. How many times have we gone to church or gone to prayer or done anything and we, we didn't feel like it? It's not about feel, feelings. It's about faith. Having absolute confidence in his presence. Going boldly to the throne of God. Boldly to the throne of grace. That in and of itself is an act of faith. And the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Well, you pleased him because you went to him. And you said, Lord, I need help with this situation in my life. I need your help. So I just want to encourage you not to run from God and not to hide from God. God is calling out to you and he's saying, I want you to come to me. Okay? So remember, Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made you free from the law of sin and death. Jesus came to the earth. He bore all your sins, all your sicknesses too as well, and he took it for you. So there's no more condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So when those thoughts of condemnation come, cast them down. The Bible says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What does God say about you? What is the knowledge of God about you? That you're in Christ Jesus. That you're made righteous. That you're the head, not the tail, above only and not beneath. Any thought that comes to you that's against the knowledge of God, you just cast it down. You know what I do? I get thoughts from the enemy because the enemy's around. He's around. He's the God of this world, and he's around. If I get thoughts in my mind, I just go, stop it, in the name of Jesus. And there's times I throw the name of Jesus into it, and then there's times I just say, stop it. Stop it. You have to speak the word. How did the devil defeat, how did Jesus defeat the devil? He spoke the word. When the enemy came to him with temptation, he said, what did Jesus say? He said, it is written. It is written. Now, the devil also uses scripture. We understand that. But the way you defeat the devil is by quoting the word of God to the enemy. The word of God in the name of Jesus will defeat the, the, the enemy every single time. So when those thoughts come to you, just say in the name of Jesus and speak the word. Or just say, stop it. 
The enemy will get the picture after a while. He'll stop tempting you in that area. The more you say no to that area of temptation, the, and the, 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 the less you give it place, the more that temptation will just get lighter and lighter and lighter until after a while you, you, you won't even remember you ever had a habit or a destructive thing that you were doing in your life. You won't even remember it. And you'll look back on your life and you'll be like, wow, I have really changed. And it's God who's been working in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's him that's been changing you, especially as you behold him in prayer. The Bible says when you pray, you're being changed into the same image from glory to glory as you behold him. That's why prayer and study of the Bible is so important because it changes you. Okay? So we can go to God with absolute, total, and complete confidence. Now, I just want to encourage you, that if you don't have my book, uh, I have a book uh, called Marked for Intercession. It's totally completely covers every area of intercession that there is and I would encourage you encourage you to go to our website and order it uh, my website is margiefleurant.org and you go ahead you place that order and we'll get it back to you okay God bless thank you for listening to the purpose project podcast for more content video and teachings like this visit margiefleurant.org